Welcome to another episode of the Spirit of 2016 podcast, coming to you in the direct aftermath of Northern Ireland 1, the USA 2, in the Sunday Night International Friendly. My name is Andy Bell, and to discuss this with me, first of all, in Sheffield, I have Peter Baker. Pete, how are we? Yeah, Andy, not too bad. Thanks for having me on again. No problem at all. And returning for the second time, we have got Ben Harshaw in Belfast, Lisburn, Cookstown somewhere. Cookstown, yep. <laughs> okay, yeah. You rattled off a couple of names. I couldn't remember which one was the current one. How are you, mate? Good to have yes, you back. Yes, good on. Thank you. Good. Super stuff. So uh, let's get stuck straight into that, guys. Um, USA at home in a friendly. You see 10 changes. You read about kind of how much this team, this American team's improved. They've got players like Des, they've got players like uh, Pulisic, and and uh, who's the other Champions League player that was playing tonight? I've forgotten. Giovanni Reina as well. Um, just just an immense breadth of talent or girth of talent, as Ian Dowie said at one point uh, during the game. Uh, and Pete, I feared a bit of a hammering when I saw the 10 changes, but like has been the case a lot under Barraclough, Um that second string side, they find a way to compete, they find a way to make it difficult for the opposition, uh, and in the end, we're beaten by uh, a, a scandalous decision, really. Yeah, I mean, I, I read an article in BBC Sport the other day that was saying USA could be candidates to win the 2026 World Cup with their young players coming through, so I didn't know what to expect tonight. Again, like yourself, was a bit worried about um, a bit of a hammering, but the, the guy stood up well, and another decent performance and we just didn't get the rub of the green again which seems to have been the way in uh, most of the recent games like what can you do about that on goal especially Ballard he seems to have a bit of a curse around him doesn't he with deflections going in off him and decisions against him um, but, but I thought he played really well despite the things that I didn't did go well. his way yeah 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 I thought he was good as well and um... It, it, it was a crazy decision, Ben, as well. Like it's He's quite clearly got the ball. He's not got a little bit of the ball. He's got a, a good touch of the ball there. And and that came at a point where I, I really felt we grew into the game first half. I thought we were getting a bit of a control of the midfield. We're, we had the better chances, really. And I think the, the goal they scored, the deflection that Pete alludes to, is it's, they don't really have a, any other big chances in that half. And we had the maybe they had the better of the ball, but we had, the, we had certainly the better chances and we were the more dangerous, I felt. And, and first half... It was quite an encouraging display from those guys. Yeah, no doubt. Um, I mean, we were we were the we had the better chances, as you say, um, and that's against a team with really good technical players in the midfield, and that's not our first first eleven. So you know, there's nothing but positives to take from it. And essentially, they've beaten us by a lucky deflected goal and a penalty that was well, we'll say debatable at best. So um, there's there's positives, definitely positives to take from that. Obviously, we. We know, we knew going into it that our uh, goal scoring needs to improve and uh, that was definitely demonstrated further tonight. But but yeah, positive, positives to go. Yeah, Pete Lafferty, Captain Society, he comes in and he's, he's clearly playing with a lot of passion, a lot of adrenaline. And uh, I felt... He, he, you can never ever question his work rate. Listen, it's Kyle Lafferty. He absolutely loves playing for Northern Ireland. He's, he's always put 100% in. But... From the start, I do feel a little bit like, what's the point, really? Um, he's 33. He's, you know, he's he, he doesn't seem to be quite match fit yet. I know he's had a few games uh, under Tommy Wright at Kilmarnock, but I think, like, I remember us talking, me and you, on the post-Austria podcast in the Nations League uh, when they beat us 1-0 at home, and Lafferty, it was just nothing was really sticking, and we didn't seem to be that fluid in attack, really. I don't think... Lafferty and Lafferty as a combination necessarily worked, even though I thought Lafferty was was very good, as we'll come on to talk about. Um, I understand not taking him off on his, the first time. I think I think the commentator said it was the first time he'd ever captained anyone, never mind his country. I uh, understand not taking him off. I understand giving him 90 minutes. But at the same time, um, you know, it, it was difficult to watch at times. And uh, I, for me, anyway, I don't know about yourself, I think we have to use Kyle Lafferty off the bench in the future. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure it was a huge moment for Kyle. You know, it was great to see a great servant for the country going out and getting his chance to captain the side. But I'd agree with you there. You sort of question why he's he's starting. I think we've other players that can do exactly what he did tonight and possibly offer a little bit more. Um, you know, I, I reckon he's, he's best used off the bench. But then the counter to that is, you know, he did have an involvement in the goal. Um, with his presence up top um, and you know against Romania he, he was involved in the goal there as well and against Slovakia big involvements 
yeah so, good against Bosnia in extra time as well yeah exactly so I mean there's there's definite reasons to keep him in the squad especially if he's getting more game time with Kilmarnock, Kilmarnock. Um, but is he taking up a spot that maybe we could try to, that we could uh, give a chance to the likes of Dion Charles for example um, or McGuinness uh, and then laughly come on and try to make a difference if we're going down or something um, yeah I don't think he's a starter in major games until I was a friendly so we have to consider that as well yeah, fair enough. It all seems to be very binary around Lafferty, Ben. You've got people who think he should be starting every game. He thinks he's, you know, the, the best striker ever, even at this age. And and then there's people who think he should be nowhere near the squad and, and think the likes of like Will Gregg and Kyle Vassell should be in, which I don't understand either. I'm somewhere in the middle. Um, tonight, you know, if it was just a case of getting an extra 90 minutes in his legs, you know, we know Tommy Wright has, uh, has close ties to the IFA as well. So we'll be giving him a bit of a hand, getting 90 minutes in, in Kyle's legs, get him up to match speed. Who knows? But um, I certainly don't want to see him starting in, uh, in in the qualifier on Wednesday night or really any time, to be honest. And, and that's not a criticism of him. That's almost like what I say when McGuinness a lot is that his impact off the bench is a reason that he shouldn't start, even though that's positive. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with basically what you both said. Um, Kyle, I think it was it was nice to give him a captaincy. You know, Kyle's been a wonderful starter for us. And then obviously what happened with his sister, um in November and obviously turned up for us and gave us all, you know. Um, so I think he deserves he deserves that recognition. I don't agree with him getting 90 minutes, to be honest with you. Um, and I, I would be kind of like yourself. I, would, I wouldn't I would be one of those who thinks Kyle shouldn't be anywhere near the squad um, because he does, like, like Pitch just said, involving the goal tonight, involving the goal against Romania, you know, and we don't score enough goals to be leaving people out of the squad that are even anywhere involved in any goals. Um, so, so for me, Kyle would be an impact sub for the last 15 minutes here and there. Um, so I, I can see it both ways. I can see sort of, he's no, he's no intention of starting him on Wednesday or he certainly wouldn't have got 90 minutes tonight. Um, so it's kind of an opportunity missed maybe to, to give, to give the start to, to a Dion Charles, to somebody like that. Um, you know, we, we know what Kyle can do and we know that he's not got that long left whereas we, we want to look at players and give them an opportunity and a no pressure no fans in the stadium um you know doesn't matter if you win you're expected to get heavily beaten by that US team so I was yeah I can sort of understand it at the same time yeah definitely and and Pete that's uh that we'll come on to talk a little bit about the the back three in a moment but while we're on Lafferty I want to talk about his uh his partner Shane Lavery there and it was a little bit of a surprise to to a lot of people that he was he was favored to Charles tonight um you know Charles was obviously picked in the original squad Lavery only comes in when Washington's out and for me I think that tells you something I think that tells you that that uh the Barclough is is going to pick at least one nippy lad at all times if he's playing the two up front we saw against uh was it Romania at home where he plays Boyce and uh he plays Boyce and McGuinness and it just doesn't work at all the Romania can push up 10-15 yards um tactically it just doesn't give our midfield any space so having that player like a white who I'm sure will probably start on Wednesday night as we'll come on to talk about but if he's not playing you want that that player like Lavery and don't get me wrong I don't think Charles is slow by any stretch of the imagination but he's he's been described as more of a hustle and bustle striker rather than somebody like a Lavery who's going to really run the channels and and, and and petrify them in behind, really. Uh, but I thought Lavery was fantastic tonight. I mean, first 20 minutes or so, it was like nothing really came off for him, but I was impressed by his tenacity. I was impressed by how he kept going. Um, and, and I mean, if something were to happen to White, I would have no problem chucking Lavery into a qualifier because I think he's, he's on such a crest of a wave at the minute. Uh, obviously scored 19 goals in uh, in the Irish League this season. Looks like he's going to get moved back across the water. Um, so I would have no problem with him coming in or playing half an hour Wednesday night. And Ed, what did you think? I was quite disappointed when he came off on the R mark, to be honest. Yeah, so was I. I thought it would be good to give him the 90 minutes, but it, obviously if Barclough's got an eye on uh, the Wednesday night game, you could see why he'd take him off. But, you know, I, I'll admit I haven't watched a huge amount of Irish football or seen a lot of Shane Lavery. Um, but against Italy... And I suppose more pertinently, pertinently tonight, he was really impressive. I thought when he got the ball, he was dangerous. He looked to carry it forward at pace. And there's no real substitute to pace. I mean, compared to Lafferty, for example, he's much more of a threat to those sort of athletic defenders. Um, you know, he got a few shots away at the end of his runs as well. Uh, ran the channel as well. And he's, he had some decent hold-up play. So... 
you know, if we are going to go for this sort of cliched big man, small man, uh, one guy to hold it up, one guy to run it behind, I don't think he's a bad option to have. Uh, there's definitely a goal in him. And I think you know, if we played against lesser opposition, like a, like a Bulgaria, for example, coming up, there's, you know, there's a chance he could easily get a goal there or something. I might have been yeah. quite with giving him at least some time on the pitch. Yeah, definitely. And Ben, me and Pete haven't seen an awful lot of him week in, week out. I know you're a Linfield man and uh, and and you rate him very highly. And from what I've seen of him, I rate him very highly as well. But there does seem to be, when you look on social media and you look at, at the you know the, the replies to Northern Ireland's team selection, for example, uh, there do seem to be a lot of people who don't rate him, uh, which I find bizarre from what I've seen. But maybe I've only seen his good games. Uh, or is you know that could be just people who don't like Linfield at the same time. Now I'm a I'm a banger man, you know I'm I'm, I'm over here in Liverpool, but when I get home, uh, you know I don't get to see an awful lot of Irish league football because we are um, we're quite a distance away from the Irish league right now, put it that way. But uh, so I've I've no skin in the game whatsoever. I've no bias either way. Um, but I thought he was good tonight, and he's he's having such an incredible season at Linfield, which is which is which is being noticed on the international stage, and he doesn't look out of place, as Pete says. No, I mean, the, th- the thing about Shane is, um, and part of the reason why I thought it was a good decision tonight, when you're playing against a team that wants to play out the, the back at all costs, the wee man will not stop running and he will not stop closing down people and putting them under pressure. You know, and, and I understand people say, oh, it's the Irish League, it's the Irish League. But one, I think Shane Lavery's not an Irish League quality player. Shane Lavery's a better player than that. And, you know, the Irish League, at the end of the day, He's a goal scorer and he's in goal scoring form. And it doesn't matter what what level to a certain extent. If you're scoring goals and if you give that wee man a chance, I mean he was he was as close to scoring like as, as anyone. He was a lot closer than Lafferty, put it that way. Yeah. Um but but you know, you look at him for the under 21s, that's when I first started to notice him. Um playing for the under 21s. He scored that goal in Spain, didn't he? When when they beat yeah. the 21s. Um, and he, he, he will go back across the water he's too good to be playing in the Irish League but he, he, I think he did alright the other night when he came on at Italy as well you know he's raw Shane Lavery's raw you know there, there's going to be mistakes and there's going to be the odd miscontrol thing but he does not stop running all night and he's not afraid to try things you know he'll, he'll, make, he'll make a mistake and he'll just try it again um, and he's, he's, he's what we need because he, he doesn't let a team get out he's pressing them at all times yeah, and I think like it's so impressive for a guy his size and stature. I mean, I know he's he's a wee lad, but he's not like uh he's he's he, he's not he's not weak. He's, he's he's a strong guy. He can he can defend himself. You know what I mean? But for somebody of his size to be scoring 19 goals in the Irish league, which is notoriously quite a physical league as well, and a lot of very decent players um who don't quite make it physically uh, can get eaten up in that league and never really make anything. So that's the thing that's impressed me. And you mentioned the under 21s there as well. Obviously, in Barclough's worked with him for three years, loved him, started him pretty much every every game. And as you say, he got that goal in Spain. He got a few other goals for the 21. So, yeah, definitely one to keep an eye on. And I think maybe slightly underrated from what I've seen anyway. And I think you guys both agree. And Pete, let's have a chat about the back three. Um, I when I was when I was doing my kind of prediction for the team or what I wanted to see. I did want to see Daniel Ballard and I did want to see Kieran Brown. Um, obviously, Ballard's been playing excellently for Blackpool this season and Brown's somebody who could potentially be a Premier League next player next season if uh, if things go his way. So I wanted to see them both, but I also, against the front three of the USA, which have so much quality, I thought maybe let's just stick Johnny Evans in there. Maybe let's just make sure that you know he can hold things together and be a bit of a presence and talk those guys through it who are, who are both, both quite young, especially Ballard. And I thought both of them did really well. Obviously, the penalty's a scandal. Um, and well, I say a scandal as if like there's match fix in the international friend. I think he's just got it wrong. It's maybe slightly harsh, but but Kieran Brown, I think apart from maybe one uh, instance towards the end where he was kind of caught out wide and got done for pace, I thought he was very solid as well and good on the ball. Um, and McLaughlin in between them did well too. So uh, that back three was was quite impressive for me. What did you think? Yeah, I mean, if if you consider that supposedly our second string back three. That was pretty impressive against, especially against the quality they were up against. I, you know, penalty decision aside, we can argue about that. But um, Ballard in his one v one battles with Pulisic was really, really good. He's a really tricky player. Pulisic obviously played regularly in the Premier League, and Ballard handled him pretty well. And the same with Kieran Brown. You know, there were chances they were getting dribbled at in their penalty area when it's you don't want to lunge in and miss time a challenge. And uh, for the majority, they got a bang on. Again, if one of them were to play against Bulgaria, I wouldn't, 
I wouldn't question it. I think. Who would it be for you if you were to pick um, one? I would, I would go with Ballard. Mm-hmm. That's, I mean, I don't watch either of them at club level, so it's just based off international performances. Um, although saying that Ballard just seems to have that cloud of bad luck around him, <laughs> um, but he has played for us, and I think he's performed really well uh, and improving with every game. But you know, if he wants to give Kieran Brown a chance, fair enough. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I completely agree with Pete there. I probably favour Ballard as well, Ben, but it's, I know me and you, uh, I've watched a lot of the under-21s and chat about it quite regularly. And one player that we've both talked about, I think is Kieran Brown and his versatility is very impressive as well. Like he played, uh, I think he was at left back for, for most of the season for Livingston. Uh, he's got a big long throw as well, which was um, quite pertinent up there in Scotland. Uh, we've got a load of players who can do that, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> few months, none of them can score a goal, but... Yeah, he, he was obviously playing left back and then he's been playing in a back three for uh, for Cardiff, comes into a back two towards the end tonight. And then I think for his debut for Cardiff, he played at left wing back and did quite well as well. So he's a guy who who, who can be a very useful player around the squad, even if he isn't first name in the team sheet. Yeah, I mean, I was very, very pleased to see him start getting a chance tonight. And it's somebody I've been calling for for a while to get a chance. Um, because I, I watched a lot, watched a lot of Rangers, and obviously you've seen Livingston a, a fair bit playing against them. Um, and Livingston don't play the world's most exciting football, yeah. but he's always stood out to me, being solid. He's got he's got good pace as well. Um, as you saw tonight with a couple of recovery tackles. And if if you ask me, I've nothing against Ballard. I've nothing against Ballard. I like him. I think he's going to be great. Well, I would probably just dif- differ to yourselves. Um, I, I would go for Brown ahead of him, purely on the basis of um, the fact that he's a little bit more of an experienced player and also um, he is essentially he's playing now at a higher level than, than Ballard is, isn't he? So, um, yeah. and, and one, thing, one thing I would also say is like, I know this isn't going to happen, but, you know, you've got Craig Cathcart playing at the Championship and then you've got you know, Karen Bryan playing in the championship. So are, is it is it completely out of question that it would be, you know, Cathcart's an absolute shoe in? I know I know you'll be absolutely rubbing your hands together here, Andy. It's gotta say, you know your audience, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean it, it is uh... It's a difficult one. I can't see him taking such no. a such an unnecessary risk. But yeah, possibly you know in September when we've a bit more of an idea of, of if Kieran Brown's able to cut it at Championship level uh, and whether Cathcart can get himself back into the Watford team, that could be something we could look towards. Because Cathcart's not like a spring chicken either. You know, he's he's yeah. in his he's in his late thirties. Actually, I did think Cathcart did okay the other night, but. Um, yeah, moving on to the to kind of the the wing backs, Pete. We'll not talk an awful lot about Shane Ferguson because uh, he's been around for ages. We know what he can do. He's decent enough backup, but. Matty Kennedy, I thought um, there was a bit of good and bad in this game. You can see at times where he's getting caught out defensively. And I'm thinking of the, the the part in the first five minutes where Pulisic just plays a ball inside and he's not close enough. But he learned from that was what I noticed. Um, and he, he positioned himself a lot better after that, which was which was really encouraging. And that's somebody who's played wing, uh, on the wing all his career. has only really been playing wing back this season. Um, and that's a couple of games now where he's done okay to fairly well uh, at that wing back position. And Obviously, if we had Dave on here, he would definitely be uh, advocating this shout. But could Matty Kennedy be the guy that can allow Dallas to push into midfield? Is he an acceptable placeholder for the right wing back position that can that can enable us to push Dallas into midfield? If you think that's Dallas's best position, um, I suppose I'm probably the wrong person to ask on this because I think Dallas's best position is a right wing back. I actually do as well, but I feel yeah, like I, we are in the minority. That's yeah. Three of us, I, I think he's I think we get more out of him at right wing back. Um but saying that, you know, we performed quite well in the well tonight. He's tidy in the ball. Um I suppose trying to transition from being an out and out winger to trying to be a wing back is you know it's a different role. I suppose you only uh, feel a bit more comfortable doing that with experience. Um but I suppose to be to play the right wing back position you need to be energetic and run up get up and down the pitch for ninety minutes. Uh, especially for a team like us, it's more about being functional in a position. Yeah. It's good to have an out and out quality a lot of the time. And I think he performed pretty well. So it's definitely an option. I wouldn't be in the camp to start him over Dallas at right wing back. I think should be there. You know? Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I actually do think Dallas is a right back as well. But it's interesting because, they don't, you know, I think a lot of the a lot of our Twitter followers do like Dallas in midfield and Dave's a big advocate for it as well. Yeah, yeah. 
even if you wouldn't uh, kind of start Kennedy there and throw Dallas into midfield, you're, you say you watch a lot of Scottish football and Kennedy's been in and out of the Aberdeen side, but he, I think he's played a fair bit. And obviously he was he was a standout for St. Johnson to get that move last January. Um, how, how, what have you sort of thought about his performances for Northern Ireland? I know you were on the post-Romaniac show. You were impressed with him for that as well. And he, he did he did all right tonight. He was another one I was, I was a little bit disappointed to see taken off. Yeah, I, I agree with you that um, about taking them off disappointed me because, it, you know, we want to see these players and give them a full chance. Um, I, again, same, same as what Pete said, he was good going forward. He looked he looked like a player that wasn't used to playing defensively, which he is, you know. Um, so he, he's somebody I would prefer to see playing, maybe if we were playing a 4-3-3 um, on the wing. Um, but yeah, he's, he's he's a good player. You know, he's, he's he's strong. He can he can beat a man. It's whether he can you know gain enough experience playing at the back. You know, Dallas played in midfield for quite a long time, and then he's had so much experience before he's then brought that into a sort of fullback role. So you know, it's 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 a big ask. You know, to, to do that at international level. Yeah, completely fair. I'll stick with you, Ben, because uh, I know Pete's been going first on quite a few of these. So I'll, I'll let I'll let you get get your your nose in first in this one. I want to talk a little bit about the midfield, and uh, we talked a bit in the pre-pod. We thought it was it was maybe Savile, one of Savile's best games in the Northern Ireland shirt. I've said on podcasts quite a bit, actually. I say podcast this podcast. I've said quite a bit that uh, McNair and Savile. I don't really think that works. I think it's functional, uh, which is a word Pete used, and I don't I don't really think it. It works an awful lot for us in the sense that I think they're quite similar. Both of them like to be that third attacking midfielder, the one that goes and breaks the lines and uh, and kind of the other two cover in behind him. And I think it it tells it tells a story that Savile has thrived this season. I know he's been dropped recently, but he scored five or six goals in that Middlesbrough midfield with Paddy McNair playing in the back three. Uh, and I thought he excelled tonight, especially first half. He would, there were times he was running the game, plays a super ball through to Kyle Lafferty uh, for for that that one on one which he should finish. And 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 he was putting himself about as well. I mean, there was a bit of chat of him being passive in our uh, in our pre Italy podcast, and I agree with that. But tonight, he, you know, he comes on against Italy and the elbow straight into Benucci's face. He comes on tonight and uh, or he starts tonight and he's crashing into tackles and seemed to be playing with a lot more confidence tonight, which is great because. I feel like that's the one thing that he's lacking, and and if he addresses the confidence issue, then we could be on to a decent player in the Northern Ireland shirt. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the first thing I would ask you is if he scored five goals for Middlesbrough this season, how high are the goals in Middlesbrough? <laughs> As in rugby, mate. But no, in all seriousness, listen, I'm I've been very critical of Savile, um, and and to be honest with you, I think rightly so from what what we've seen from the Northern Ireland shirt up to this point hasn't been good enough, if you ask me. Um, but he, I thought he was very good when he came on the other night. He put himself about. He's, he's taking the simple, simple decisions. He's not trying to do too much. And I thought this was his best game tonight. Um, I, I, I'm assuming that he was taken off because, or as early maybe because he's going to be used on Wednesday. Yeah, I'd um, take what is a strong possibility he might start on Wednesday, actually. Yeah. So, you know, if he's playing, if he plays the way he, plays the way he did tonight, then I'm very, very happy with him. And I'm certainly a hypocrite for saying this, but yeah, he, he was excellent. The ball through to Lafferty was great vision, was a great, perfect weight on it. You know, it was Lafferty, you know, it, it should have been in the back of the net. Yeah. Um, and yeah, no, as I say, being physical, taking the yellow card tonight, you know, he took a yellow card in a friendly. It's the funniest it was, yellow it card I've ever seen. Yeah. It was a, <laughs> and he argued about it too. <laughs> it was a must, must. You know, he had to do that because they were on yeah. such a counter-attack. And, and the other night, getting on, I think about one of the problems, I'm not going to talk obviously too much about the other night, but one of the problems was we weren't in at least faces. We weren't kind of letting them know they're in a game. We're standing off them. And within about a minute of the second half, Savile's given, you know, probably fixed the broken nose for Benucci. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I'm really impressed by him tonight. Yeah, Pete, I think the... I read somewhere that the Flat Earth Society was originally formed uh, to show that you can make an argument for absolutely anything. Uh, and I think we can change that to Savile having to go to the ref for that yellow card tonight. <laughs> um, it was it was great. And another player, so first of all, give your, give your thoughts to Savile tonight as well, let you have a chat about him. But also, I thought Jordan Thompson was fantastic tonight. Um, well, fantastic. I thought he was he was, he was was definitely very good anyway. I mean, you can see he's got quality in the ball. Stoke fans have, have, have talked about how he's one of their best passers in the team. And I think he's one of our best passers as well. And there were a couple of times, I think, when uh, when Lavery kind of Lavery kind of burst forward tonight, uh, and it was Thompson who set him away straight away. 
Uh, he saw that pass, did it one touch. And sometimes when you look at us and when we're in possession of the ball, and especially when the USA have had 65, 70% of the ball, whatever it was, um, I feel that, you know, sometimes we can be a bit conservative just because we need to give the guys at the back a bit of a breather. Uh, but Thompson does it first time and he's got quality. And I, at 23, 24, I think we should be a little bit more excited about this guy. Yeah, definitely. Just started like Savile, you know, I've... I was the one who called him a bit passive in the previous podcast. I'll hold my hands up there. But, you know, that's just the frustration because we think there's there's a player there. And tonight he showed it. It was a bit more to it tonight. He was aggressive. Um, and I, it sort of brings up the question, do you think he feels more comfortable if he is the main man in that midfield? Yeah, that's my you argument. Know, because if Davis and McNair are on them, everything goes through Davis. McNair is given the license to attack. And what does George Savile do? He probably doesn't feel like he he knows his role inside out. Whereas tonight he probably thought, you know, I'm the man. Yeah. I'm gonna carry the team tonight and felt a bit more confident. So, you know, so I, what, what you're saying is if if you're Northern Ireland manager, Davis is never breaking the record because you're playing Savile every day. <laughs> That's I am not on record of saying that <laughs> whatsoever. But you know, could it be a case of to get the best out of Savile, do you play McNair at centre back? I think quite possibly. I, I think uh, quite possibly. Nah. But, you know, it's purely from a Savile point of view, the McBen. Purely from a Savile point of view. Oh, yes, I can see it from a yeah. Savile point of view, but I think McNair is too good a player for us to be yeah. moving him uh, around. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think oh, one of the things, sorry, sorry, Pete. I think no, one no, of the no. things um, on Savile on his previous appearances is, you know, we've we've had him out in the left and all that there as opposed yeah. to right where he needs to be in the middle of the park. And that's where he was tonight. And he dictated a lot of things in there. Um, so, I, you know, I'm, I'm, maybe I've pre- previously judging him on playing on the left, which is not not where he should be. Yeah, and he, he led the press a number of times tonight yeah. as well. You know, he yeah. was the one leading the midfield. And it was, it was good to see. I'd be screaming yeah. at people to get up with him as well. You know. Yeah, was... I, thought, I thought we pressed quite well in general. Yeah. I you know, times, times, and again against Italy but then just on Thompson um, you know it's another midfielder who's technically pretty good mm-hmm. and I suppose the key thing is that people have spoken about before is his set piece yeah. ability because I mean if you look at previous campaigns our goals come from the set piece mm-hmm. you know I know we're missing Macaulay but you know we've other big players there who can get their head in the ball we just haven't had that quality at set piece time, um, which is a key part of the game, especially at this level of getting goals. Um, and if he could, if he can provide that extra bit of quality with corners, with free kicks, and we get goals from it, there's a good case to start him. Mm-hmm. You know, he might not be as good around the rest of the pitch as other guys, but if you get goals off the back of his set piece, why wouldn't you? Yeah, that, is the argument for him. And and that and that's the thing I always said about Oliver Norwood. He's like, you know, the way in NFL, he just somebody comes on and just kicks it, just kicks, just takes the kicks and does nothing else. If you could, if we could do that for like Thompson, <laughs> that would be yeah, he'd be, yeah. Like, he'd be worth sixty million, wouldn't he? <laughs> um, yeah, yeah his, his set piece delivery is impressive, and that would mean we could get McNair in the box, which is something we've talked about quite a bit as well. Yeah, um, but we we'll we'll talk about the um we will talk about the the lineup for Bulgaria in the next part of the podcast, and and we will do the goalkeeper chat as well. Because I thought Hazard had a good game tonight. Um, and let me see where we're at. Um, in fact, you know what? Let's 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 move on to it. Let's have a chat about Bulgaria. Um, and. Ben, I know you wanted to talk a little bit about the formation um, because it's 3-5-2 tonight again for 80 minutes and then 4-3-3. You'd think that's the type of formation you play if you're going to be in the front foot a little bit more, get the wingers on, the likes of McGinn, Kennedy, White, um, whoever it is he chooses in that position. Um, and when it goes 4-3-3 tonight, that's when we get the goal. And I don't think overall we looked any better 4-3-3 than 3-5-2. Uh, and I do think we have the players for it. I don't think he's going to do it, um, but is it something you'd be considering for, for Wednesday night if you were the manager? Yeah, yeah, I would I would agree with you. I don't think he's gonna do it, although I would give it serious consideration. Um, because I think it I think it in a game like that where we're expected to 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 well be very close. Well, we're expected to win, let's be honest. Yeah. Um, yeah. you know, I think I think why would we why would we sit on a three five two, which I think dictates the tone of the game and I think it allows allows the team. I think a big big problem against Slovakia. Um, sorry to bring that up here. We'll all start crying again. But uh, you know, I think what by us having 
you know, the formation that we did, it, it allowed them to dictate and to play and too much time on the ball um, with, without, without worrying of us countering them. Um, and I think I think that's something that we, we need to be trying to do. I mean, you, you look at, you know, you look at wins for Northern Ireland in the past and it's, you know, it's been again on the wing, you know, we, we need to be taking the game, especially at home at Windsor and again, we should be winning. We need to take a game to teams. I can see benefits for 3-5-2. I can, and I think that's what he will play. It's what he prefers. But, but I don't know. I just think we need to be that little bit more attacking. And I think having, having you know, the wingers on would, would, would allow that. Yeah, Pete, it's one of those where I think um, when we've been chatting on podcasts before, one of the big arguments for the 3-5-2 that I think you've made a lot is the fact that you can... Um, you've got somebody right next to whoever's playing up front. You know, we know none of our strikers are fantastic in a, in a, in a one kind of, especially when you're playing a, a bigger nation where the wing the wingers are basically like wingbacks or fullbacks. Uh, whereas against the Bulgaria, maybe the, the wingers will be pushed higher up really because we'll have a lot of the ball because we will, as Ben says, the onus will be on us to break them down. Uh, I don't think they're going to do it, but do you think there's an argument for it as well? Yeah, I mean, there is an argument for it. I th- I think the most important thing for Barraclough to consider is what is the formation that he could play that's going to give us the best chance to impose yourself on Bulgaria? Well, exactly what Ben said. We're the better team going into this. We've got to accept it. You know, we have to beat Bulgaria. We really have to take to the game to them because, in, you know, in previous matches, we've been guilty of a really sluggish start, taking it, you know, taking 10 minutes to get into it or, or waiting for the opposition to score a goal and suddenly yeah. we start playing. You know, we have to take it to Bulgaria. And if we can get, you know, 4 3 3 allows us to press them a bit better, go for that. The same with 3 5 2. Um, I would say, you know, if you play two strikers, it's likely our right wing back and our left wing back will be able to bomb forward and get a few more crosses into the box. And I suppose <laughs> um, just by having more men in the box, there's probably a better chance of getting a goal if you have two strikers. Um, so I'd probably still be an advocate for the three-five-two, but you know, it's I. I think, irrespective of the formation that we play, uh, I think the attitude is the most important thing. Having the confidence to go out and think we are the better team here, we're going to dictate the play and we're going to pin you back. That's the That's what I want to see. You know, yeah. not be back to days ago in our approach. Yeah, and it's one of those Ben where we actually we were talking in the pre-pod. We haven't really had a game like this under Ian Barraclough because it's been the Nations League where you're kind of well, in theory, you should be playing teams around your level. And uh, listen, we were in a tough group. Austria and Norway were proved themselves to be a fair bit better than us. But um, Romania is kind of uh, is the only team we've really played where we've maybe gone in as favourites. Um, possibly Slovakia at home as well, but. You think about it like the, the Bosnia game and even the friendlies we've played have been against quite difficult opponents, really. And there's been a lot of chat about the, this whole thing about Baraklov not getting a win in 90 minutes, which is such a weird stat. It's such a weird way to to cast aside the 90 minutes or the 120 minutes in Bosnia where we were fantastic. We played them off the park at times, and that's a team who have barely um, who have barely lost at home in something like three, four years. So you know that was a fantastic result, and, and it almost feels like that's your people are concocting a stat just to, just to be able to get round that and somehow not give him credit for that, which I find bizarre. But he, he listen, he, he definitely does have to win this one. There's absolutely no doubt about it. I think he'd be in, under a bit of pressure if he doesn't. Unfairly, I think so. I think he should get at least this campaign and maybe a Nations League if he is going to be tasked with a, the idea of bringing through some young players like Gabriel McCallum and the guys in the squad at the minute. But yeah, must win, and uh, I'm quite nervous for it. I have to say. Yeah, no, I'm extremely nervous for it myself. Um, but I've seen enough in these last two games. To be, I'm, I put it this way, I'm a lot more positive based on these last two games than I was over the Nations League and the playoffs and stuff under Barclough because I did I did have my doubts and I still have the odd doubt, like don't get me wrong, but I, th- I think some of the football that we've been playing in the last couple of days, a couple of moves, like there was a there was a move in Italy the other night and okay, but the, the same problem, we didn't finish it, but some of the passing and, and, and the movement was, was excellent, you know, so... So if we can build upon that and, and we can, you know, impose our game, if we're able to, I mean, we took a game to Italy and we're the better team for 45 minutes. So if we take a game to Bulgaria for 90 minutes, they can't live with us, in my opinion. And, and, and he, needs, he does need time. I would agree with that. Yeah, definitely. And Pete, it, it's, uh, it's against the team. I mean, I watched the game against uh, Switzerland. 
um, and they weren't great. They were three 0 down after fifteen minutes, and uh, okay, they improved, improved second half, but it was kind of like us kind of going and taking the game daily once the once the game was once the damage was already done really, and they did score a goal, but overall they just didn't look like a fantastic side. And if you read the stuff coming out of Bulgaria and what their fans were saying. They don't particularly rate them as a fantastic side as well, coupled with the fact that uh, they've played two very difficult games before they come to Windsor Park, whereas most of our lads have, have had a have had the day night off here or or have got 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes, whatever. They're, they should be in peak, peak condition for this one or as, as in, in as peak condition as they can be at this stage of the season. Um, how are you feeling ahead of it? Um, would you put McNair back into midfield then? I guess that's the big question for Ian Barraclough going into Wednesday night. Yeah, same as you guys. Pretty, pretty nervous. Must win, like we've alluded to. Um, in terms of moving McNair up, I'd, I'd probably say yes, mm-hmm. simply because he's one of our better players. I've got more of the ball. Getting him, you know, McNair's been the creator or scorer of some pretty crucial goals, or the hardest of big moments. Yeah, um, so getting him further up the pitch is a good thing. Um, and then it gives a chance for one of Brown or Ballard to get in at centre-back. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'd, I'd move him to centre-mid. Yeah. Davis and another. Well, who would that other be? Well, I don't... That's a question. Yeah. See, you know, we've seen Saville in the midfield three and he's been a bit lacklustre. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he might go with it, though. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised to see Sabo. You know, it's been a while since we've played a team who are supposedly worse than us. Maybe this is a chance for Sabo to get, you know, he's had a decent game tonight, played well against Italy. Maybe it's a chance to sort of ease his way back into it. Um, yeah, I think he'll go with Sabo. But okay. yeah, and I think that's harsh on Ali McCann, though. Yeah, now you say that. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a. Di- <laughs> It's a difficult one. I wouldn't. I'd like to see McCann start again. Um, equally, I don't think. Well, I think. I think he'll give Salvo another chance. Yeah, um, it's it's an interesting one. Ben, I know you're a big McNair fan. I think he's your favourite player, and yeah. you'll be going Davis and McNair in the in the midfield. And who who would your third man be? I think it's between. I don't think it'll be Corey Evans. I don't think you have Corey Evans anywhere near a home game against Bulgaria. As much as I rate him as a player and rate what he brings to the side, um, I think it may the type of game for him, not Bulgaria at home. So I think we can maybe rule him out. Uh, especially, I think he gets he gets more or less than 90 minutes tonight as well. So he's almost ruled himself, ruled himself out by default. But Saville, yeah, possibly. We all know what he can do. Uh, McCann has never done anything wrong. And in that game against Romania, where we were slight favourites at home, uh, he showed himself as able to to be effective in possession and breaking down teams as well. He's not just an interceptor and a give it to somebody else. Um, so I think there's a shout for him as well, but I think there's a shout for Thompson here. I think a Davis Thompson McNair midfield could be, could be the one. Now I talk about Saville and McNair being similar, and that's why I wouldn't have them in the same midfield. Maybe it's the same thing with, uh, with Thompson and McNair, but you know, Thompson's played in a lot of different partnerships at Stoke. He's played with Joe Allen. He's played with uh, John Ubu Mikel. He's played with a couple of other players. So he's shown himself as being reliable. And, and Michael O'Neill loves him. This is the thing. Michael O'Neill absolutely loves him. He always talked about him in, in interviews. He used him even when he was when he was younger and when he was getting cast aside by by the likes of uh, Manchester United and Rangers. So you know, and then he obviously signs him for the championship. So I think there's an argument for Thompson here. Who would your third midfielder be? To me, I, I'd agree with you, but to me, it's McCann. To me, McCann, I have been really, really, really impressed by McCann. Don't think he's put a foot wrong since he's come in, and therefore, I think at this moment in time, it's his place to lose. You know, based upon that Romania game, based upon what he did in Italy, you know, he's playing against Ferrari, who's one of the best midfielders in the world, and he didn't look out of place. You know, so for me, it's his, his place at this moment in time, especially... I understand it's it's about the here and the now and everybody's, you know, and I'd be one of them as well. Like I'm I'm talking here um saying it's about the future, but then if we're not getting results, I'll be pissed off, you know. So I'm a hypocrite. But you know, I, I think Ali McCann's gonna be in that midfield for the next 10, 15 years, hopefully. Um I've seen him, I've seen him as I say, watching Scottish football, I've seen him for St. Johnson, and I can't see him being at St. Johnson much longer, um, because he, he he's a good, good player. I'm mean, I think he, I, the other benefit of him playing now is I think he can learn a lot from playing with Steve Davis, you know, mm-hmm. that hopefully can help us in the future. 
yeah, they even look similar, don't they? Um, yeah. So yeah, I, yeah, and I think McCann. You know, there's you talk about McCann as, uh, and I think in the Nations League, the argument for starting him was definitely uh, the fact that you know he's a young player, we can bring him through. But I think from what he's actually shown in the four or five games he's played, is he might be the present as well as the future. To be honest, I think at times I look at him and I think he can do everything Corey Evans does, and he's ten years younger, and he's maybe a little bit better in the ball, which I think Pete said in the on one of the last podcasts. So, so Pete, you're going for. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. You're going Peacock Farrell. Uh, you said you'd go Ballard then with uh, Johnny Evans and Cathcart. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming Dallas and Lewis uh, on the wings, or are you sticking with Michael Smith? You'll probably have Smith in the midfield, wouldn't you? I know you're going to say that. I'd be tempted of it. No, he can't be putting Michael Smith in midfield. Saying that, against Italy, I thought he was one of the better players. Yeah. So as much, like it would be harsh to drop McCann, mm-hmm. you know, it would be very harsh to drop Michael Smith. He'd be sort of asking the question, what else do I have to do here? You know, performing against one of the best teams in the world and Lewis is just coming back from injury mm-hmm. um, so if we went with the same back five you know I wouldn't have any problems with it um, I suppose who would I go with you know what I'd, I'd stick with the same defence okay so you, go, so you go Dallas left back Smith right back your yeah. three in the middle are Davis, McNair and Saville and your two up front, are you sticking against some white then? Yeah, I, I mean, the question would be, do you give uh, Niall Van Basten the chance of front? <laughs> no, I got in. <laughs> Get in. I'm surprised, in. I'm surprised uh, Ben didn't steal that on you. Yeah, I'd, you know, I'd probably stick with the same team. Then the question with the midfield is, are McNair and Savile are equivalent to Lampard and Gerrard? Can they <laughs> play together? <laughs> yeah, fair enough. And and uh, and Ben, you're so you're going for the back three. I'll, I'll let I'll let us come on to talk about the keepers in a second. But you're going back three of your. You said you go Brown along with Evans and yeah. Cathcart. Um, yeah. Let's see. Uh, so you've got McNair, Davis, McCann. Uh, you're doing Dallas and oh, I think you wanted maybe have a bit of a chat about the left wing back position, didn't you? Um, yeah. You're not, you're not yeah. a big Jamal Lewis fan, but would you would you start him on on Wednesday night? And who would be your be your front two? Would you stick with McGinnis and White? To be honest with you, I would I would start Dallas at left left wing back, mm-hmm. uh, and I would have Michael Smith on the right. Okay. Um, I think I just. I just think that Stuart Dallas is playing left back and playing very well anytime I've seen him in the Premier League. So I just think at Northern Ireland we can't we can't be looking past that because we don't have the quality to be saying with a Premier League left back and a decent team. You know, Leeds they're inconsistent and everybody all the pundits seem to talk about better than they are. Um, but like I just I just why would use him in his best in, in his not his best position necessarily, but in the position that he's you know, playing every week in the Premier League. So, so why not? Why not do? It? Um, and, and I don't think Smith's ever let us down when he's been on the right either. So, you know, I just think Dallas Dallas gives you something going forward and and defensively playing there. Lewis says he fit. I don't know. So, so that that's why I would go for that. Going up up front, it's it's difficult, isn't it? Like, um, I I, I think Josh McGinnis is far far better um coming on than than starting. Although I think he did all right tonight, he put himself about. So it's 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 difficult. I would I would say Gavin White definitely did enough to stay in the team. Um, I'm assuming his boy's still unavailable. No, I think he is going to be available for this one. He played 90 minutes for Hearts at the weekend, and he played 45 minutes in the famous Cup defeat on Wednesday night. So I think the plan right. was to, to bring him in for this one. But you don't start him if he hasn't been with the squad. No, no, bench, don't no. You? I'm just saying, I was excited by what I saw from Dion, Dion Charles. Um, I mean, he was he was he worked hard. He was busy. Um, he, he got a couple of shots in a goal, which I find something something that we kind of lack at times. Just hit the shot, you know. Like USA hit the shot tonight. It takes a ridiculous deflection and it ends up in the net, you know. So he just he looked like a you know he didn't look like somebody who's never played international football. He just decided I'm playing a game of football here. I'm going to have a shot. Yeah. So. I, I, do you think do you think he will start? No, but would I be would, would I expect Dion Charles to start? No, but would it be against it? No, I wouldn't. You know, I think I think the same front two. I think they did enough in Italy to to stay up front, you know, and, and to stay on. But it's nice to know that we we'll have Alex Charles as an option. Yeah, 
Yeah, no, hundred percent. And uh, I'm just going to actually read out some some Facebook and Twitter comments dead quick tonight. Um, cause I forgot to do that. I should have done that after the the USA chat. Uh, Stuart Williams says Brian Ballard, Hazard, all getting great experience and doing well, especially in centre back. Uh, we need the next generation coming through, which is vital. Same old problem. Concede a load of goals and waste limited amount of chances. Uh, let's have a look. Let's have a look. Let's have a look. Um, Paul Arbuthnot. Apologies for that, that, that pronunciation, Paul, if that's wrong. But uh, a very positive performance, uh, and we didn't deserve to lose. The goals conceded were unlucky. A good performance from Hazard and Dion Charles looked sparky. Uh, the goal from McGinn was, McGinn, McGinn was a gem, uh, and the elusive win will come, no doubt, and hopefully on Wednesday night. Uh, let's get another one. Uh, one from James F. Uh, 53798 says, Brown and Ballard impressed. Uh, deserve more in the first half. Badly missing a set-piece threat, but what a goal. And let's see, Bill Donald, all of a sudden we were, there were several uh, options, uh, but we must not, we must start not losing. Uh, Niall McGinn is most likely to score, that's fair enough. And I put a couple of polls out on the Twitter uh, just before we came on the podcast here. Who, who was Northern Ireland's standout player there for you? Uh, 51% of people said Kieran Brown, 25% of people said Saville, uh, 14% said Lavery and 10% said Thompson. The other one was, if McNair has moved into midfield, who should partner Johnny Evans and Cathcart on Wednesday night? Uh, 80% said Daniel Ballard and 20% said Kieran Brown. I think we probably expect that to be the, um, the yeah. general consensus. Um, there definitely is an argument for, for Brown, I think. Uh, and the last one, uh, which I'll come to you on here, Ben, who would you start in goal against Bulgaria? A bit tighter, this one. Bailey Peacock-Farrell, 57%, and Connor Hazard, 43%. I know you have some thoughts on this so far away. Yeah, um, I mean... Who, who I would start would be Connor Hazard. Um, I think neither playing uh, first-team football. However, which one has played more first-team football this season has been Connor Hazard, who's played He's played in a Scottish Cup final. Um, he's played in a very much under-pressure Celtic team. He's played in Europa League. Um, and he, did, he didn't put a foot wrong in that. Now, he didn't, let's be honest, he didn't have a whole load of saves to make, but what saves he did make, he did well. Um, and I think it's important maybe... Almost, almost send a message out the like the likes of Bailey that you need to get playing some football. You can't just think that you're guaranteed to get your football starting for Northern Ireland. You know, uh, absolutely, absolutely, he's, he's 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 made some wonderful saves for us. But it has been, he, to be honest with you, I think he just fought for both goals in Italy the other night. Um, definitely the second one, and he was definitely at fault at, in, against Slovakia as well. Um, and and I think I think part of that is he's not playing enough football. So, so yeah, I, I would, I would, I would go with Hazard. Do I think he will? No, I don't. Um, I think I'll go for Bailey, and you know, I've no real problem with it, but it's just what I would do. Yeah, Pete, I, I do like Peacock Farrell. I do like the the performances he's given us over the years, and uh, I think he's been very good in a lot of games more than he's been very bad. But um, he's not undroppable. He's Burnley's second choice. Connor Hazard has come in for Celtic. He's uh, he was a bit shaky in certain games, but he also made some good saves in others. Um, and he's, I think he's just signed a two, three-year contract there. So they seem to think that he's somebody who could potentially, if he develops right, uh, be Celtic's number one in the future. Um, would you be tempted to do something mad there? Or do you think give Peacock Farrell the benefit of the doubt? Um, probably give Peacock Farrell the benefit of the doubt. You know, he's, he's had a bit more experience playing with Evans and Cathcart and Ballard now at the back. So hopefully there's better communication between those guys. Um, but Ben makes a very good point. You know, if he's not playing first-team football, he's going to, errors are going to creep in when he gets starts and when he plays for Northern Ireland. And that's not what we want. We want, we want, keep, we want a keeper who is starting regularly, uh, not making mistakes and has their eye in, basically. Um, unfortunately, we don't really have that at the minute. Um, with the two keepers that we're, deliberating between but you know it's definitely one for the future certainly come September things haven't changed you know it's something to consider but I, I stick with Peacock Farrell I think he's got enough credit in the bank despite the, t- the mistakes against Italy okay you boys have given your team I'll go dead quick on this I go Peacock Farrell Ballard uh, Evans and Cathcart I go Jamal Lewis Jordan Thompson McNair Davis and Dallas and I would go for McGuinness and White up front, but I'd like to see a little bit of Shane Lavery on Wednesday night as well. Pete, before we go, give me a prediction. 3-0. Three 3-0? Nil. Three nil. Wow. So okay. one as well. That'll be, that'll be a fun podcast on, on Wednesday night. What do you think, Ben? I think it'll be a bit tighter than that, to be honest. 
I'll have whatever pizza on. Um, <laughs> no, I, I, I'm going to go with 2-0. I'm going to go with 2-0. Um, yeah. I, I, I can't see us scoring three goals. That, that's the problem. Yeah. But I, I do expect this. As I say, I've seen enough in the last couple of games. There's been positives. And I expect us to get the job done. I think it's going to be a very, very nervy one, actually. Um, I think we are going to create chances. I think we are going to just about put enough away, but I'm going for a very, very nervy 2-1 to Northern Ireland. Uh, and I'd take it all day, to be honest. Um, just having a quick look to see if there's uh, anything potentially Italy are doing at the minute, or Bulgaria are doing against Italy. 40 minutes in, it's nil-nil. So, um, yeah, maybe they are going to be a bit tougher to break down than what we think. Um, Pete, do you reckon Dion Charles and the boys are going to outscore Immobile and Bellotti? <laughs> <laughs> I should have given you that information before I asked you for the prediction, maybe. <laughs> oh no, Bulgaria, see, they're parking the bus against Italy. They'll come out and try and attack against us. Yeah, quite possibly. I mean, you'd think they'll be targeting third in the group. They'll think, you know, with a with a bit of luck, they could possibly um, fight us for third. And, and, you know, they'll think, if we're thinking we can create like a, a kind of playoff scenario with Switzerland for second place, if, if we win our games against the bottom two yeah. uh, and Italy beat them, they're probably thinking that about us as well. They're probably thinking if if Italy and Switzerland clean up against Northern Ireland, then you know we can maybe get something against them as well. So that'll be an interesting one. Um, thanks to you, both to you guys uh, for coming on this. I've really enjoyed that chat. Um, just uh, quick, we'll be back. Uh, well, actually, we're going to have a podcast coming out tomorrow night uh, or tomorrow night or... Well, maybe Tuesday lunchtime at some point. We're recording tomorrow night anyway, uh, but I'll keep that under wraps for now. It's a little bit of a surprise. Don't worry, Pete, I'm not getting you on again. <laughs> There's a face of panic on Zoom here. But uh, yeah, that'll be coming out. And what we'll definitely have coming out is the post-Bulgaria show on Wednesday night. And let's hope uh, that that's going to be the uh, the elusive the elusive win in 90 minutes, which I've just used a stat, which I've, I've completely disregarded in the podcast, but there you go. Um, so just a quick, follow us on Twitter, really close to 600 followers, at Spirit of 2016 Pod. Uh, it's going really well on there. A bit more debate, uh, a bit more chat on there than there is on the Facebook. Uh, so do get on there if you are on the Twitter. Um, and until tomorrow or Tuesday lunchtime, whenever you're listening to the next podcast, uh, thanks very much for listening, and we'll see you again next time. Bye-bye.